0: John Landecker at ten minutes after eight o'clock. I, you know, I'm guessing, but you know, it's a calculated guess because we would never be playing that music here unless, of course, we had the opportunity to talk to the guy behind that band and uh, many other things. And that's Steve Albini. Uh, Steve, thank you for taking time to be with us tonight here at WGN. I appreciate it. No problem.
1: Thanks
0: um, for having me. Yeah. Um, so that that band uh big black and that song um i believe fist of love one of your early one of your early efforts uh with a bunch of friends i believe from evanston and northwestern Have i got that right uh
1: well i was going to school at northwestern when i started the band the yeah. band was uh me and some people from the then very active chicago punk scene no and Santiago Durango from Naked Reagan and then Dave Riley from uh, Savage Beliefs, and uh, that was that band lasted for five or six years in the '80s.
0: Yeah, I think we just lost the phone connection there. As I was going um, over some material, getting ready to talk to Steve. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Well, yeah. I guess everything's, uh, okay now, which is everything's good. Everything's working all right. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's the way we like it. Um, so listen, uh, I'm going over, you know, your history, your, your accomplishments, mm-hmm. your whatever you want to call it. And an expression that I haven't heard used in a long time popped in my head. And that is, renaissance man and no don't you think so pardon my laughter what no that's fine don't, I, I i look i i said to myself wait a minute i know this expression renaissance man what does that mean exactly so it, you know the definition is a person with many talents or areas of knowledge and if, if that's not you i don't know who is steve i mean well that's
1: that's very flattering but uh um i when i think of genuine renaissance man i think of People who are true polymaths and and can and excel in many different areas of and man, many different disciplines. Uh, I have a few very specific nerdy pursuits that I am <laughs> deeply vested in, and and outside that I'm, I'm fairly tragic outside <sighs> of
0: interest. Well, I don't think. Okay, so record producer, um, journalist, music journalist. Uh, unbelievably successful as a poker player um I think there's a lot of things there Steve that uh, you could you could qualify I really do I mean um and, I, and I'm not pulling your leg on this at all uh I mean you've produced a- albums for in Chicago for years and that includes Nirvana and uh, a bunch of other people and um you've been very you been very vocal about your opinions of uh of the music scene, um, and played big time poker in Vegas for six figures. I mean, man, um, that's a lot of really cool stuff. I wouldn't say that's, nerdy yeah, stuff. but
1: I mean, in all, in all fairness, it's actually only a couple of things. Like I got into music as a, as a teenager, I wanted to be in a band. And yeah. the of that was me wanting to record my band and my friends bands. And that sort of became my profession uh, and I uh, over the over time I built a recording studio and I'm now running that as a business and my bands have c- carried on uh, in, as a pastime, I wrote for fanzines and things like that nothing serious, nothing that qualifies as a career in journalism. And I've played poker as a pastime my whole life um, and I've started to take it more seriously when during the poker boom, when there was a lot more money available, um, in, in uh, casual poker games. And that's just sort of carried on as another aspect of my, of my livelihood. Oh, and I, well, was... it's, it's nice to be thought of as a well-rounded individual. I do still <laughs> sort of see this as, as one or two areas of interest that I happen to have obsessively devoted myself to.
0: Well, and very successfully, I might add, you know, uh, I know that punk is a lot of has a lot of influence on on you getting into the music industry and um, the Stooges I saw listed as an influence and j- just as an aside um, Iggy Pop whose real name is Jim Osterberg and I grew up in the same town at the same time and um, I would DJ these breaks and sets at a local rock club that had. Various bands show up. And he would—he was a drummer in a blues band called the Prime... The Iguanas. Uh, yeah. And then there was also another one called the Prime Movers that uh, he was a part of. And um, so it's sort of cool to see that uh, that he went on to be, you know, one of the main stooges in Iggy Pop. And that he influenced people like you. And you've stuck to that, really, haven't you? I mean, you have not... Yeah,
1: um, I mean... I, I, that that original uh, band identity, the the Stooges, had a, a strong, really strong influence on me, mm-hmm. and a lot of people, a lot of my peers and contemporaries in the underground music scene. The Stooges operated out of a, a band house where they all lived together, and they were sort of in and out of each other's pockets, and they just were uh, sort of obsessively practicing that music uh, all of the time, and that kind of mindset permeated a lot of the early punk scene in Chicago, and um, all the people that I found inspirational um, behaved in a pretty similar fashion. You
0: know, I know that you've had um, strong opinions about the music industry, and what the Grammys were on Sunday night, and they attempt, I believe, to, I don't know if they do it or not, but they attempt to have so many different categories. Um, what kind of what kind of a job do you think the Grammy does? Grammys, are they actually... Something or not
1: well, I have to I have to admit I didn't pay any attention to the Grammys this year as this sort of my as this sort of my routine uh, the most of the music that I work on and the music that I'm interested in is not yeah. represented very well by that professional cast of um, music industry people right the the Grammys are part of an are the uh, award ceremony for uh, an organization the National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences which purports to represent um, street-level and professional-tier musicians. Right. Um, but most of the people that I interact with really don't give a hoot about any of it. You know, it <laughs> doesn't interact, they don't interact with uh, us. The music yeah. that you see on, um, on that large-scale platform doesn't really represent what's going on at, at the street level. It's yeah. more of what's, uh, you know, objects of interest for the, the, the institutionalized and the professional tier of musicians.
0: Well, that's pretty much what I thought you'd say. That's, that's why I asked the question. Uh, we're going to take a short break and do more with Steve when we come back at 720 WGN. Our guest Steve Albini has worked with, along with uh, tons of others, Foo Fighters, Page and Plant, Cheap Trick. I mentioned the Stooges. We just talked about Nirvana. Many others. Got a studio in Chicago. Successful record producer, audio engineer, journalist, really good poker player, founder and owner and principal engineer of electrical audio, recording steel complex, outspoken views on the music industry, got a degree in journalism, and that's enough. So, (laughs) Steve, let's talk about poker, because that—that that is something that I do not have a real working knowledge of. And you have cracked the, well, it would seem to me, the inner circle. Uh, winning twice now, right? Uh, these poker large poker tournaments in uh, Vegas that are worth well, I guess two eight twenty eighteen it was one hundred and five thousand six hundred and twenty nine dollars. I mean, that's pretty unbelievable. How did you get? Well, you... the
1: yeah the the World Series of the World Series of Poker is a kind of an annual poker players convention, and during that series there are tournaments in every discipline of poker. Like every type of poker that, that people play, they have tournaments in those different disciplines. And uh, I happen to be particularly interested in what are called mixed games. That is, games um, where the the type of poker you're playing changes every so often. Uh, every so many hands, you change from, say, hold them to stud poker, to Omaha, to um, a lowball stud poker called Raz, for example. Um, And I've played in that. That's the way a lot of home games are structured, as a kind of a dealer's choice scenario where the games change pretty regularly. So I've played in that style my, my whole life. And the bracelets that I've won at the World Series of Poker have come in those events, events that are not, um no limit hold'em which is the 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 kind of poker that's normally televised than what you see in the mm-hmm. coverage of the main event at the world series
0: so explain the i was reading about the bracelets i i'm completely ignorant about all this what is the significance of of the bracelet because it seems to be almost as valuable as the money sort of prestige wise yeah the world of poker well the
1: the bracelet is um what you're awarded in lieu of a trophy for a mm. world series of poker title. Gotcha. Um and, and so the the bracelet will be inscribed with the discipline of poker that you're the champion of and the year that you won it and um they're not really suitable for wearing as a bracelet. <laughs> they're, <Yeah>. they're right. <laughs> They're they're kind of trinkets, but um, originally in the original early years of the World Series of Poker, they were made as jewelry by jewelers, yeah. and they were much more presentable in that regard. Now they're they're more of a memento or a keepsake of the of the thing, and like I said, they sort of substitute for the trophy because they're inscribed with the event that you won and when you won it, and it commemorates that.
0: Well, you know, we were talking obviously about your unbelievable um, success as a record producer. Um, also as a journalist. I mean, that's a full plate, and this is a high level of poker. Where along the way did you become fascinated with this game and learn all of its intricacies, so to speak?
1: Well, I, I was taught to play as a child by my mm. great-grandmother, and and we played—the My the way my family socializes is we play cards, you know, Pinochle or Cribbage or—my uh, father was a champion bridge player when he was younger— Um, uh, um, And my family has always sort of socialized using cards like every family get together. We play cards. And um, after I was taught poker, sometimes we would play poker. And then when I went away to college, there was always a, a card game somewhere in one of the dormitories or in somebody's apartment. And then within the music scene in Chicago, there was always a pickup poker game here or there. Yeah. And so I've been able to, I've played poker my whole life. Um, I started playing ser- more seriously in casinos and at, you know, and for more significant stakes, um, in the nineties, and the, in, in the two thousands, when the, when during the Hold'em boom, when poker became sort of culturally a lot more right. prominent, uh,
0: and doing it very successfully. Well, you know, there's, um. I, I but bo- there is going to be a new casino coming to Chicago. Um
1: Yes, it's Bally's. the talk of the entire poker playing community that there I'm might back. be a, a card room in the city.
0: Yeah, I mean that's got to be good news for you guys who play that game.
1: Yeah, it would be it would be tremendous. I mean, it would also it would mean that there these sort of um, regional poker events, for example, where there are tournament series that bring players in from all over the world. Um, We could potentially host those here. That would be a big boost to the tourism and bring a bunch of new interest and attention to the city. Uh, It could, it can, it can only be a great thing in my opinion.
0: You know, I just want to tell everyone who to get the picture that I got when I read about this, me being a person who, you know, very rude, you know, Fi- playing poker is like something I did so long ago and so elementary in my approach to it. I have no concept of what these games are that you're really talking about, except when I see that you emerged as a victor in a 773 competitor world series of poker tournaments, 773 competitors, Steve. I mean, that's, that's a lot by any measurement.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that sounds like, that sounds like a lot, but yeah, it because does. this, because the World Series is, of poker is such a big event, there are some tournaments that attract literally thousands of mm. entrants. And the main event, the concluding event of the series, the main event where the world champion of poker is crowned, like that routinely gets five, six, seven, sometimes as many as 8,000 people wow. competing in it. Wow. So, um,. You know, I'm. I'm. Don't get me wrong. I'm proud of the. Um, I'm proud of the accomplishment of having right. won one of these tournaments. Right. Um, but it, it only really. It's really more impressive outside of the the realm of poker because it seems like such an amazing thing. But within the world of poker, it's seen as you know one of sixty some odd bracelets that were given out that year.
0: Gotcha. Uh, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I I could spend. At least another hour, maybe even more, Steve, because you've got so many uh, unbelievable facets to uh, your life and what you do. Uh, Thank you so much. You're still obviously running the recording studio complex in Chicago, right?
1: Yeah, uh, we make records there every day at um, Electrical Audio. That's my life's work is running that studio and making records there.
0: Well, thank you and continued good luck in that. Thanks very much for being with us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, Steve Albini. Who, um, in some circles in the music industry, if you're of a in the, I'll just use air quotes here in the sort of alternative slash punk um, genre, he is an absolute legend, and uh, also working towards that, I believe, in the world of uh, poker.